Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we got to let the stream breathe here just for a moment or two. Yeah, we get five beautiful green check marks across five different platforms that we connect to here. And we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, here we are on a Sunday that happens to be the uh, the aftermath episode because, of course, the Broncos played on a Saturday. But it's kind of been a very despondent and uh, negative vibe from, from fans for obvious reasons as we kind of sift through the aftermath. But I wanted to get your take on this article you had earlier today, and I can pull it up while, while you start kind of going through it. But yep. how this game, Saturday's game between the Bills and the Broncos, had a lot more meaning for Josh Allen than you might have guessed. Yeah, Uh if people who might recall the Broncos were on the clock in 2018, and they ended up taking, of course, Bradley Chubb number five overall. Where Josh Allen was on the board for the taking for John Elway, and you thought it would be an ideal pick, but he didn't go with him. And a couple picks later, he landed in Buffalo. And this was his, what they call, hashtag revenge game for Josh Allen. It meant a little something more to him. And a Bills guard, John Feliciano, confirmed that he did have a little more oomph in his game. He wanted to get back at the Broncos for passing on him. During the broadcast, chat, they talked about it. And I, purportedly, Josh Allen said they should have took me. So he was definitely fired up. This was personal for him. And that last little quote at the end of the story, Chad, he was asked about in his presser yesterday, what did you make of the broadcast bringing up the revenge game factor? He goes, I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. I'm paraphrasing. And that says it all. It's He said as much in those six words as he did in 60 minutes of play on the field yesterday. It's just, it was personal for him, Chad. I am where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, you uh, you, you know, it's, it's the shoulda, woulda, coulda. Everything looks better, you know, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, et cetera, et cetera. The Broncos missed their chance, you know, and I think as we talked about yesterday in the gut reaction, MHH as a publication, we were pounding the table for the Broncos to take a quarterback. Now, by that point, of course, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold were off the board. They're, they weren't an option, but I think Josh Allen emerged as probably the, the best option or at least the one that fit the Broncos the best especially because of how much the, the John Elway and company had scouted him. But, 
you know, the Broncos were still holding out hope that they could get something out of Paxton Lynch. And, you know, they realized only a few short months later how, um, you know, how wrong they were on holding out that hope. But it is what it is. And I think Josh Allen is where he's supposed to be, Zach, because he's got the supporting cast. He landed in a situation where it was just the perfect timing with that coaching staff and being connected with um, some of the some of the coaches that, you know, sometimes for both coaches and players, a coach sometimes needs the right player to enter their life to kind of go up into the stratosphere and the same for players. And I think in Allen's case and Dable, I mean, they, they were made for each other. You know, we're not believers in coincidence, and that extends beyond the Broncos. Uh, he is where he belongs. He was always destined, if you believe in that, to end up in Buffalo. And it took a couple of years for the uh, the plan to come together and the ingredients to bake into the recipe that you see today. And with proper coaching and patience and continuity, you get what you're seeing this season. It provides a little bit of a glimpse of what the Broncos' future could be. Not saying with Drew Locke, but a young quarterback in general, a young coaching staff in general, Sean McDermott, Brian Dayball are two of the best in the business at their respective jobs. You hope the Broncos are in the in the same situation, Chad, but after yesterday with Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, you're just not sure. You know, I think another thing to <clears throat> excuse me to uh, to factor into why the Broncos chose not to take a quarterback there is remember we learned this after the fact, but John Elway was ready to pull the parachute on Vance Joseph after year one, after 2017. Right. He wanted to bring in Mike Shanahan and and basically get the band back together, and Joe Ellis, <clears throat> excuse me, stopped him from hap- from from doing that. And what that tells me though is that that governed much of probably John Elway's decision-making in terms of the 2018 calendar year. Do you really want to draft a quarterback top five when the head coach who's you know going to be drafting him, there's a decent chance he's going to be gone. And if that head coach is gone, probably the OC and probably the QB's coach and whoever you hire and bring in as head coach, they're going to want to bring in their own OC and all. So there are, there are multiple factors that probably led to Elway saying, you know, let's, we're going to, we're not going to look the gift horse in the mouth in terms of, Bradley Chubb slipping to him because I do believe them. And this was when Kubiak was still in the front office. I believe them that they did not expect Bradley Chubb to be there at five. And so they took him, but we're always going to wonder fans are always going to question and wonder what could have been had the Broncos drafted Josh Allen, but his quote there, Zach, at the end, it's very telling. He's where he's supposed to be. And I think the Broncos for better or for for worse, you know, they're kind of where they're supposed to be right now too. This whole thing is going to take time to, to dig them out of this, uh, this seller, and it remains to be seen whether or not Drew Locke is is where he's supposed to be, and whether he's going to be that guy for for the Denver Broncos. But as I told you guys last night, my outlook on Drew really hasn't changed at all from before the Carolina game to after the Carolina game to coming out of the Bills game. If you're going to keep Fangio, then you got to keep Drew, and if you're going to keep Drew, then you got to keep Shermer and give him a full off season and a full training camp and a full preseason. And you know what? It all adds up. It all lines up, I should say, Zach, because it's 2021 for hell or high water. Last stand of the of Elway, the Elway regime. And, you know, you might as well go out swinging. If you're going to go out, you might as well go out with the guys you picked. And who knows? Maybe it actually ends up finally paying off for you. I do remember back in uh, 2018, and take it for what it's worth, but Elway admitted that in all the mock simulations they had before that draft, not one of the mocks had Bradley Chubb falling into their laps at number five overall. They saw what Von Miller developed into and became, and they they their eyes widened at having Von Miller and Bradley Chubb on the edge. And back then in 2018, Elway's mindset wasn't about building around a young quarterback. It was still very much the Band-Aid quarterback. You know, he 
Case Keenum was coming in. We didn't know about Joe Flacco yet. It was only until last year and this year that he went along a different path to the younger route. It's, you know, I I don't fault Denver for taking Bradley Chubb. He's still going to be a perennial pro bowler as far as I'm concerned. And how are we supposed to know who's going to pan out, Chad? That's why it's a gamble. The riskiest event in the entire sports landscape is the draft. I remember, didn't the Broncos have a rumored trade for Sam Darnold during the draft? And then once that fell through, they kind of just said F a quarterback in the first round. I think uh, from what I remember of that draft is that Elway made a few calls to see what it might take. And it turned out that, you know, the price was a little too stiff for him. And again, a big part of the reason for that is, you know, you think, well, if that was your guy, you give up what you can to go get your guy, whatever it takes. But Elway wasn't quite ready to turn the page on Paxton Lynch because, you know, he had, he had probably convinced himself, this is me speculating, but he had probably convinced himself that, you know, 2016, he's a rookie. It's the, it's, it's Kubiak's last year where there was all that passive aggressive stuff between Kubiak and Elway over the Simeon Lynch thing probably felt Elway that Lynch didn't get his, wasn't given the best possible chance to really, you know, be the guy as a first round pick because his head coach wasn't really on the same page with the, with the pick. Then 2017 comes around. And if you're John Elway, you're convincing yourself by saying, look, we brought in a first time head coach, a young guy, you know, we teamed him up with a coordinator and Mike McCoy that did not pan out. You know, we had to move on from him halfway through this. So these are all the excuse making mechanisms that human beings go through to kind of justify whatever their preconceived notion is or confirmation bias, if you will. Either way, John was wrong, right? John was wrong. They probably should have taken a quarterback there. And that's why, again, MHH, those of you who've been following us for a long time, we were pounding the table for the Broncos to take a quarterback in that draft. And at this point, anyway, hindsight again being 2020, Zach, it's looking like we were right. But again, that doesn't, I, I, I don't, I haven't gotten completely off the possibility that Drew Locke still has plenty of rope to kind of turn it around and be the guy. It just, I think he needs more reps. He needs more time on task and he needs a, a defense that doesn't give up 48 points to, well, I should say 47 points or 41 points uh, to an opponent. I think we were right at, to an extent, though, because let's just say the Broncos did un- end up with Josh Allen. Looking back on it, how it's transpired between Mike McCoy and Bill Musgrave and now Pat Shermer and last year's Gangarello, in all these years, let's say Allen would have been picked by Denver in 2018. In the last three seasons, do they have the proper coaching staff to take Allen to where he is now? So would it have mattered, Chad? Even if the Broncos ended up with Josh Allen, would he have been the right quarterback for this team? Looking back on it, the answer is no. And you give Josh Allen to Pat Shermer right now, he is nowhere near the quarterback he is. He is who he is because of amazing coaching. Yeah, it's really just more eating your heart out, um, QB envy. And I understand it. You know, things, it's been a very tumultuous roller coaster season and very frustrating for fans, especially as I was writing today, you know, the Denver Broncos. Um, and we'll cover this. We'll, we'll go through the story because we need to get to some quick matters of business here. But they basically had to fight a, th- uh, a three-front war, right? They've had to battle against the virus and all the impacts it had, the injury bug. And then they've also had to battle the NFL. Week 12, the way they handled that, basically forcing the Broncos to all but forfeit instead of doing what they'd done with every other team in similar situations and just kick the can down the road by a couple of days and reschedule. And then this last thing with, with McManus, He's fit to be tied over the way they handled that. They started the counting on his close uh, contact exposure. <clears throat> you know, have to be five days of negative tests before he can come back and, and be around the team. He felt like that should have started Monday when, when he reported. And they said, no, it starts Tuesday, forcing him to miss the game. Now, you might say, well, hey, you know, two missed uh, extra points and a field goal. You add that up. 
you know, that's uh, that only that's a drop in the bucket to the total margin. I think it was a 29 point loss, right? 48, 19. That's not my strong suit. But either way, you never know when those little moments, Zach, like missing a field goal on your opening possession, what kind of turning point that could be, because that ended up being a 10 point swing. It's three points that could have been for the Broncos and then the build on a short field drive down and get a touchdown. It, it's just what it could have, should have, though. And that's the story of the Broncos since 2016, I would say, since you know, they had they last had a winning record and they were semi on the NFL map. I don't think it would have mattered, McManus. It's funny, though. This is kind of a sidebar, but did you see how they have a Kendall Hinton rule now? Uh, two weeks after the fact, <laughs> now you can sign a quarterback at the last minute to, to make him your emergency guy. It's funny, though, the NFL, I got to get this off my chest. They've been shooting from their hip the entire year, but they didn't have that contingency way back in September. They didn't they didn't have the common sense to think, OK, if a quarterback gets CV, they can a team can sign another one at the last second, at the last minute, Saturday night. Why did the Broncos have to be the guinea pigs? Why do the Broncos have to sacrifice a win? The NFL still owes Broncos and their fans an apology. Well said, my friend. I want to get into what Brandon McManus had to say uh, here in just a minute. But first, got to handle some quick matters of business, starting with the sponsor of tonight's live stream pod. Yes, as always, guys, tonight's live stream podcast is brought to you by sportsbetting.com. Broncos country, listen up. As you well know, gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado, and here's what makes sportsbetting.com a no-brainer for sports fans just like you. Sharp odds and low juice. They have in-house bookmakers. They're not a third-party service. They have reduced juice and the best prices you will find out of any gambling website on the internet today. Hassle-free bonuses. This is important with a one-time rollover. For those who don't know, that means the bonus money is yours after you bet it just one time, whereas other sites and competitors make you bet it five to 30 times to cash out. Finally, 24-7 live customer support. You are always getting a real live human being in the U.S., never a robot, someone always with flesh and blood you can talk to. But here is the kicker. At sportsbetting.com, you get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. Not just one bet, but all of your bets. Play for a week, and if your loss exceeds your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference up to $1,000 with a one-time rollover. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash huddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash huddle and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. All right, guys, <clears throat> a couple of other quick reminders. It's been so great to connect with everybody lately the last few days. I don't know what it is, but the calls to action to follow on Twitter it's just been a, uh, you know, it's, it's been great to see everyone migrating on over there because that's where we keep, it's one of the ways we keep the conversation going. So follow the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod, the main account at Mile High Huddle, my partner Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. Also, gentle reminder to take a look at the merch store and get your swag on. Go to huddleuppod.com, get yourself a hoodie, get yourself a MHH uh, trucker hat, face mask. Mug, little something for everybody. It's another way to support what we're doing here. And uh, if you're also on Facebook, take a look at <clears throat> becoming a supporter. It's another way to uh, get behind MHH. And then we have some awesome, awesome plans coming your way starting January 2021 for content access, a lot of cool stuff that's going to be dedicated strictly to the Facebook community. They're the official supporters. So, And if you're not in a position to do those things, it's all good. We are seriously just stoked that you're here with us. That is the most important thing, whether you're live or listening after the fact as an on-demand podcast, we do ask that you do these three things, though. Number one, subscribe. Number two, like this video. It's especially crucial on YouTube and Facebook. And then lastly, the litmus test. Number three, 
share it out there. But only do that if you think Zach and I are doing a good job. If we're not, of course, that tells us everything, right? If you're not sharing this out there. But if we are, that's the best way to, to show that love and, and let us know we're, we're on the right track and help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Yikes, that was ugly, Broncos country. But let me tell you something that might help improve your mood. Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability, is a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Coors Hard Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Never before has it been so easy to make a difference in the world. Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering. Our waterways, gang, are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up, but through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Here's how it works. Each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The results? 1 billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River, and that's just year one. For refreshing flavors, one cool cause, enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in, gang. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV. And Zach, it's only 90 calories. Chad, I like all the flavors, but personally, I had the lemon lime with me uh, today, and nothing takes the sting off quite like a Coors Hard Seltzer. Uh, it's my go-to for football season, non-football season. But after a tough Broncos loss, Chad, it definitely goes down a little better. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It is that simple. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, John, I know we have a a super chat or two. There's a couple of of story points I want to get to uh, tonight. We we can get to those in in due time. But I want to see what's on everybody's mind in the chat stream. We'll start here with Ridge Stimson. Good to see you, my friend. Appreciate the super. He says, is it possible to get Tim Connolly as GM for the Broncos? Zach, look, I have floated the possibility of John Elway if he were to make a change. Because, you know, again, no one fires themselves. 
So let's say John Elway were to just say simply that, hey, man, you know, I'm getting a little bit long in the tooth. I've been at it now 10 years. I mean, 10 years is a long time to be in a, in a high pressure, um, high intensity, high focus job like being the GM slash president of, of, a, of a football team, pro football team. So maybe Elway says, hey, I'm going to just kind of hang back and be the ultimate executive. I'm just going to be president and kind of preside over everything, but I'm going to bring in a GM to run day-to-day, run the draft, run free agency, all of that. I mean, they have a president, though. I mean, that's pretty much Joe Ellis. I mean, that's the next step above him be a, before owner. I, I just don't see any situation, Chad, where Elway steps out or bows out or resigns. His ego and pride wouldn't let that happen. He's under contract for next season. And I think he wants to, if he's going to leave the Broncos, if only for himself, and I've mentioned this before, he wants to leave them in a, in a better position than when he took them over and kind of rebuilt the post-Peyton Manning Broncos. He doesn't want to leave them with no quarterback and a losing record again because it reflects on him as a GM. This is why it could have happened if this was the year of Drew Locke. If they would have went 10-11 wins, if Locke would have been the franchise quarterback, then maybe – Elway bows out. Then maybe Elway goes into a lesser role, but he's going to see this thing through until he's either his contract's up or uh, someone else fires him, which is still unlikely. It's just not in his nature to throw in the towel. That's just, you know, if he leaves, he leaves on his terms. And I think you're onto something there, Zach, that, you know, it's just, it, it cuts against who he is as a person to just walk away when, you know, his, you know, his body of work is still unfinished or kind of left in the lurch. It would have been one thing, and it actually would have been perfect Elway style for him to stand up there and hoist the Lombardi saying, this one's for Pat, and then like Peyton, hang it up, retire, go back into the into into retirement. But he didn't. Um, and I think one of the main reasons that he didn't was because of what was going on with Pat's health. Uh, you know, it was only a little more than a year prior that we learned of what was going on with Pat because he officially stepped down in terms of, you know, his daily involvement being at the building and all that stuff. And so I think there was also a kind of a, you know, a responsibility feeling probably for Elway and a loyalty thing for Pat that he needs to stick it out. Someone that Pat trusts in that front office handpicked by Pat to kind of carry the torch forward. And that's just, it is what it is. And it's unfortunately it hasn't panned out so far in these five ensuing post Super Bowl 50 years. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Hey, Vega, jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. Really appreciate you becoming a superstar in his own right. He says, I hated what happened last night, but the big question is, how does this team and Drew bounce back? Answer the bell, boys. Hashtag gents fan, hashtag Kelber fan. Love it. Appreciate like you, Dave. A lot. Yeah, thank you. So, Zach, how does how does this team bounce back? How does Drew bounce back? They go out there and try to move on and treat this game like it's a thing of the past and not and not get consumed by it. You have to have a, a short memory in the NFL. You have to have selective amnesia in the NFL, especially at quarterback. And Locke knows he's going to face the criticism this week. It's the same old routine. When he does well and the Broncos win, he's praised and you hear these positive announcements and pronouncements come out. And when they lose and he does bad, then it's calling for his head and calling for a young quarterback, calling for Matt Stafford. He knows the deal by now. They have to go out there against a Los Angeles team that has their own young quarterback in Justin Herbert that pulled off a win against the Raiders and they have to just play their game. And they already played the Chargers once this season and they have to use that template in the fourth quarter that they used for the entire game. Now, whether they will do that is anyone's guess because we can't predict the Broncos at this point. We don't know if they're going to be a first-quarter team, second-quarter team, fourth-quarter team, or no team at all coming into a game. They they can bounce back. They have the medal. They've shown that. But consistency has been their biggest problem. So it's not expected that they will, I guess is my point. Yeah. Bobby Mann jumping in on Facebook. Appreciate you, Bobby. He says, what's up, guys? We need to give Locke another year in this offense with Cortland Sutton and a healthy team. I'm sick of hearing these fickle fans saying that Locke isn't the future. We need to give him time. He's our guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I concur with you that he needs more time. I don't know quite yet if he's the guy, right, in terms of answering the question definitively, you know, in the same way that Patrick Mahomes, after his first year as a starter, answered it unquestionably. I'm the guy for the next 10, 15, maybe 20 years if people start following the Tom Brady, um, you know, way of going about it. But Lockett hasn't done that quite yet, but that doesn't mean he isn't deserving of more time because the flashes that he's shown and the impact that he's made in different areas, including the intangible impacts he's had on the, on the team, you know, they are, they are worth something and they do point in a, in a direction that would imply and hint that he has it in him to be that type of guy. Let me just, can I just say something? Some of you guys are going to roll your eyes, but for those, and I doubt anyone did for those who watched the 49ers Cowboys game today, if you noticed, it was Kellen Moore versus Kyle Shanahan. It was Andy Dalton uh, versus Nick Mullins. I mean, these are just backups, and they were injury-decimated teams. And if you watch the way they were moving the ball, if you watch the way the play calling and how they were coached, and and then you go watch the Broncos with Locke and Pat Shermer, it really says a lot how stuck in mud they look, Chad, when you watch Broncos film compared to other teams. It's like, it looks like they're running an archaic offense from the 1950s, whereas every other team is in the 20, 2020s now. And it's, I don't want to say Locke gets the rest of next season. Locke is the guy. Be be more time. Be patient. That is true and all, but give him the chance with creative coaching is my point. I want to see what Locke can do. I'm not saying another system, another coordinator, but give him a Kyle Shanahan. Give him a Kellen Moore. Give him a Matt LaFleur. Give him a Cliff Kingsbury. Would he be the same quarterback? Is Are you guys willing to throw that baby out with the bathwater before Locke gets that opportunity? And he goes on to another team and has success. That is my point with it. So be patient. He needs more time. He'll get some starts next year. But the coaching is and will continue to hold him back if it's Pat Shermer. That's my thing. You know, 
this goes back. And by the way, shout out to Pobby. Appreciate the the support and generosity as always, my friend. We just uh, we love it when you're in the stream. And I know you're working right now, so you can't be 100% in the stream. But you always make your presence felt, and we appreciate your support more than you know, Pobby. She says hello, family. But Zach, she's just she's an all timer. Yes. Definitely a superstar. That's why she's the princess, Chad, of the podcast. Indeed. And by the way, shout out to Zachary Smouse. Everyone knows Smouse in the house. And congratulations for getting your own podcast up and off the ground with Duke and uh, with Terry. So congrats on that, you guys. Um, Zach, to that point of – I'm trying to remember what my, my thought process is. Let me let me get it back real quick on on Drew Locke. Ah, I lost it. Going Talking uh, about that. I'll, I'll come back to it. We'll find, it'll, 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 it'll come back here. Uh, meanwhile, let's grab Mike. Everyone knows Mike stud, absolute animal. We love him. Thank you. Superstar. He's been on the show twice. He'll be on the show more as soon as we get through this season and things kind of slow down with the the grind. Uh, We can't wait for that, by the way, Mike, hope you're still down, but he says besides special teams coach, would you make additional coaching changes within Vic's staff? Hmm. Zach, if if you're moving forward with, with Drew, let's just say that if you're going to say, if you're going to keep Vic, and you're going to keep Drew. Do you make any additional changes besides perhaps McMahon? Listen, I see it both ways. I see the argument for continuity, and I don't want Locke to have to learn a new system because that would be his alibi if he plays bad. I just don't see Pat Shermer getting better. I don't see Pat Shermer evolving. And if you watch Daniel Jones in New York and you watch him now, you see the difference. I mean, every quarterback that he's worked with recently, Pat Shermer, has been turnover prone. And his offense is just so archaic. It's just, there's no creativity to it, Chad. We're excited to see a screen pass. So it's not my bias or my opinion or my dislike of Pat Shermer. I just don't see what more he can bring to the table. I don't see him getting better. This is who he is. This is who he always was. He's a coach for the 2005 NFL, not the 2020 NFL. The Broncos need that guy. I would consider replacing Pat Shermer, and I go down the list. I wouldn't replace running back coach, Zazani. I wouldn't replace you know Bill Collar, obviously. I wouldn't replace a secondary coach because that's Ed Donatel. It's going to be Tom McMahon and or Pat Shermer. I think that's the the uh, firings this offseason. It'll be interesting to see whether or not I'm completely up in the night on this because this is one of those spots where Zach and I might not 100% see things eye to eye. But I just it, it all depends on what your outlook is if you're the Broncos with Drew. If Drew is going, if you're going into 2021 with Drew as as the understood quarterback, and maybe you still tinker a little bit in terms of going out and bringing in a more proven backup to not only be your an actual fail safe. But a guy who can also kind of take him under his wing, someone who's lived through the live bullets himself, someone who can kind of mentor him. But if he's going to be your guy in 2021, I really shudder to think that you pull the rug out again and put in another offensive system. And now the flip side to that that outlook, though, Zach, is you don't know what you're perhaps missing out on if you don't, right? Because if he's not the guy, if he is emphatically proven in your mind as John Elway or Vic Fangio – that he just wasn't it then. And you move forward with him continuing to be that coordinator. Maybe you miss out on the chance to hire someone else uh, that could come in and really be a game changing influence on Drew's career and rocket him into the stratosphere. But that's why you don't envy these type of decisions for front offices and, and for head coaches, because it's really tough. Uh, DNV three jumping in to say, did you guys see Drew actually stepping up in the pocket and not bailing all the time? 
yeah, there were some times. In fact, you know, two of the biggest hits, uh, two of the sacks that he, I think it was only two, right? He was sacked twice. I'll have to go back to that. But there was the sack fumble, which was the whole turning point, the watershed moment of the third quarter. And then also the sack that uh, Mario Addison got on, on Locke. In both cases, Locke went against the grain. Instead of trailing out and going backwards, he climbed and tried to kind of, you know, go go vertically. Ended up paying, they caught him from behind in both cases. But, you know, yeah, he did show. And that's another small it didn't come out on the wash in terms of the results you want, you know, the box score, Zach, or, you know, final score of the standings. But he is showing improvements step by step. It's just not, you know, there, it's just not a sea change level in terms of improvement. It, but it kind of speaks to my last point. It's week 15, and we're lauding the quarterback in his second season because he's stepping up in the pocket. It's something that every quarterback does since they first pick up a football when they're little kids. Step up in the pocket and buy yourself time and not bail. And again, it's on Drew to grow up and it was on him to, you know, to do that, to bail and to play hero ball, but it should have been coached out of him weeks ago. It should have been coached out of him in week one, week two, not week 15 on December 19th. So I'm happy that we're seeing those improvements, but there's a reason, Chad. You look around the NFL, every successful offense has a young play caller. Show me an older guy who's calling plays that has a lead offense in the NFL. I, I can think of Gary Kubiak in Minnesota as a perfect example of you, you can't stick with the old. It's a it's a young man's game. It's a new age NFL, and you need creativity and imagination in your offense. Probably Andy Reid is the only guy that would cut against that, but but he's the, enemy. The, he's the outlier because well, but Andy Reid calls the plays. Uh, the enemy has you know he has his influence, but Andy Reid is the exception that proves the rule to your point though Zach because he even though he's my old guy he's as creative as it gets and if you look at the scheme because this is to your point the scheme that Pat Shermer is running today in many ways is the scheme Andy he learned and saw from Andy Reid back in Philly in the early 2000s it's very similar but Reid changed Reid continued to evolve and adapt to the new trends and to his personnel and all that and you haven't really seen that from Pat Shermer just to answer Maho real quick how many games has Locke played? He has officially clocked 16 starts, but you have to count in that 16 the Pittsburgh game in which he got hurt in the first quarter and didn't play. So, But that counts. So he's officially 500 as a starter. He was one game above 500 going into last week. And so in his first 16 starts, his first – we'll just call it his his 16-game rookie window as a starter, he's officially a 500 quarterback. And honestly – if you look at the grand scheme of things, you look at every quarterback in the history of the league that's gone on to do anything, um, you know, remotely positive. That's actually out kicking the coverage. That's better than most uh, quarterbacks do in their first 16 starts. I mean, look at Peyton, look at Elway, uh, look at most quarterbacks. Now, there's a few guys and they're the new school guys who kind of flip that on its ear and are the outliers, which also goes to feed kind of the QB envy that everyone has and the whole impatience thing. But you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's an exception to the rule. Uh, Lamar Jackson, an exception to that rule. And maybe you throw in uh, Deshaun Watson, although, you know, things are starting to really take a turn for the worse for him. I, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I'm throwing out. I understand Andy Reid. My point, though, is you need creativity. And and Pat Shermer, we, we've seen what we have in him now. And Drew Locke has a full 16 games. He has a full starting season under his belt now. And in week 15 of his second season, we're lauding him because he finally stepped up in the pocket. A Matt LaFleur or a Joe Brady or Andy Reid would have coached this out of him weeks ago. 
So it's just my point. I'd want to see what Locke can do with the Kellen Moore. I want to see what Locke can do with the Kyle Shanahan before I say, no, for sure, he's a bust. Move on. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Joshua Johnson says, if I am Fangio, I'm giving Mike Shula a chance to take over play calling the last two games. Or that. It would be interesting to see, Zach, because I'll tell you this. Shula uh, was the brainchild behind the most prolific offense of the 2015 season. And that was an offense with, with Cam Newton and the Panthers that did a lot of new school type of, you know, a lot of college type of uh, read options uh, or, or excuse, yeah, read options, uh, run pass options, a lot of different quarterback gadgetry. And of course you had a very mobile and very um, big, strong quarterback. that could do a lot of that stuff in, in Cam Newton at the time, but I would definitely be, I would be all about that. And you wouldn't even have to telegraph it, Zach. You could just say, Hey, you know, we're going to we're going to give Shula a chance to call some plays or the plays for these final two just to see. No one would even have to know in terms of the the outward facing uh talking points from uh from Broncos HQ, you know, I don't know, man. After what we've seen from Shermer, why not give it a, a try? I don't think most NFL teams kind of look at things that way, but I I think they'd be remiss to not give it a shot. There's nothing to lose. I mean, and everything to gain. You could find a play caller that's way more in tune, you know, maybe more imaginative or or maybe more just, you know, um, uh, comfortable with Locke's play style. The thing with, with Shula, though, what happens if he does really well last couple of games? Do they fire Pat Shermer? Do they promote Shula to full-time OC? It creates a lot of questions as well. And conversely, I can also see, go back to our previous question about um, coaching changes, if they keep Shermer, I can see the Broncos firing Mike Shula or vice versa. I can see them making one scapegoat between the two 
if Locke is the guy for next season, if he's on the roster, which he will, if he's going to start, there's a lot of dominoes that have to fall, Chad. Jay Walsh, here is your recognition, my friend. Welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Subscribe, dude. Um, Manny Wise, unless, John, did you have one? Did you want to throw up? Or I can grab Manny Wise super chat here from, okay, then we'll grab Aaron, then Manny. Aaron Lynch, really appreciate that, my friend. It means a lot to us, as you know. It's good to have you in the stream the last couple of days, man. It's awesome. He says, there is no one singular problem, but Shermer getting rid of Janovich because he doesn't use fullbacks showed me or showed he wasn't going to make a tailor-made offense for Denver. If he wants to stay, he's got to utilize our strengths. That's a fair point. It showed a round peg, square hole type of mentality, or at least hinted at that possibility. Um, but at the same time, we don't know exactly who the the – you know, who the main role players were. If, if maybe Elway got an offer, called up Sherman, said, hey, I got this thing on Andy, on uh, offer for Janovich from the Browns. You want me to keep him around, though? I mean, and Sherman's like, nah, we'll be good without. We don't know exactly the genesis of how it took place, but Aaron, your point is well taken, my friend. That's what I was going to say. I mean, to be fair to Shermer, Elway makes the the final call on trades. It's He has final say on personnel, so he had to sign off on the Jano trade as much as Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio did. I don't think not having him there has impacted the offense. If they were healthier and they had better play calling, you saw what the offense could be, guys. Against the Patriots, if those touchdown catches were caught, you saw what it could be against the Panthers in the fourth quarter against the Chargers. Janovich wouldn't have changed that. I mean, he would have helped the running game, but it's in terms of situational management and play calling, that is the biggest detriment to the Broncos this season. Manny Wise, longtime listener of this podcast, and yeah, patronizes all of the podcasts. He's a seven-day-a-week listener of MHH Podcast. Appreciate you, Manny. He says, are there any corners available for the Broncos to bring for the final two games? You know, we could. I'm not sure exactly who's out there, Zach, um, but I think that one of the answers, I mean, the answer is kind of already there. I mean, if the Broncos are bringing in Nate Hairston and then Motley Kidd, as their solutions to be kind of the depth corners. I mean, that kind of tells you everything you right. need to know. I mean, there were a few stragglers for a while there, like Prince of Mukamara lasted all the way into mid-October before he signed with Arizona. But there's not really much out there unless you want to call a keep to leave and say, hey, man, you want to come out of retirement? <laughs> Keep's doing pretty well in the broadcast booth. I've been really impressed watching him call games. But, no, at this point of the season, two games left. The playoffs are, you know, they're eliminated from playoff contention. It's about what it's always been about for about three, four weeks is about evaluating the young talent for next season. Whoever's on your roster right now, who stays, who goes in 2021, Parnell, uh, Motley, I think his name is, and Nate Harrison, two young guys. They want to see what they have. They want to play Bosby more. They want to play Michael Ojemudia. He needs those reps. So I wouldn't look for a veteran to come in. It's going to be the guys they have on the roster for the final two games. Zeus McPeak from the top rope, as he so often does. Really appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. He's the MHH Mount Rushmore. Love you, buddy. By the way, really cool to see those pics of uh, you and your family on Facebook. Uh, today I saw them, I think, for the first time. So. Beautiful family that you got there, Stu, and we appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Zeus. We got one here from D. Brown, who is up north of the 49th parallel up there in Canada. Appreciate you. And D. Brown, you know what? He's not a guy that's super chats a lot, but he is extremely active in the YouTube MHH community, and we we love you. We don't always agree, but we appreciate and love you, D. He says, Locke's fourth year, <laughs> y'all are going to ask for more time, meaning that, you know, hey, man, um, you know, 
get off like we're, we get this criticism a lot, right, Zach? That we're we're excuse makers for Drew and that uh, yeah. we're standing up here bolstering Drew. But I think that you know, you, you, you criticism's fair regardless. Okay, uh, we have we share our takes, we share our opinions in a live setting and written form and videos, and it's fine to come at us when you disagree. We think my my personal opinion on Drew. I'll speak for myself. Is that he's shown enough to say, hey, look, there's enough flashes there that if he gets the traditional type of reps and the traditional type of time on task, that there could be something there. I'm not quite ready to turn that page. Some of you are. And I think after yesterday's game, again, the same people that were, and I'm not saying this is UD, but the same people coming out of uh, the Chiefs game, for example, that were like, turn the page. I'm done with Locke. Let's talk about quarterbacks round one, 2021. And then all of a sudden he goes out and balls out in Carolina. And they're like, well, okay, now they're back on. And then, of course, another loss. And, you know, just he's shown enough that you got to just, in my opinion, you got to stay the course, all right, one more year with a full off season, And then I'd be right with you. If we're sitting here even in week six next year, all right, and Drew, we're seeing the same old, same old from Drew, then I'm going to be right there with you, D, saying, all right, you know, he had his swing at the table or at the plate, I should say, and it's time to start talking about a different quarterback solution. But for now, Zach, again, I want to give him one full season, and this is why I'm still inclined to stick with Shermer with those reps, uh, with the experience in the scheme under his belt, with all of his role players back, including Cortland, including Juwan James at right tackle, and see what could be. Yeah, I mean, I've been on record as saying I think he'll come back next year. I think he'll get first dibs at the starting job. I just don't see anything handed to him. I, I, listen, D, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I, obviously, you're not a big Drew Lock guy, but we're not ever going to be, or at least I'll never be reactionary. And Chad, you won't be either. We're, we're kind of in the middle because that's where the truth lies. He's not a franchise guy and he's not a bust. He, he is right there in the middle going through the process. And any team has showed or the, the Bills, the Browns, the Cardinals to an extent, the Ravens. It takes time with a young quarterback. And they say with any prospect, you can't judge him until after three seasons. Well, he'll be going into his third next year. And he already had one that was, you know, both of them were injury kind of marred. So to say, to stick with Drew or give him time next year, that's not being an apologist. It's not making excuses. We're not being Locke fanboys. The Bills can attest to what patience and continuity can do for a quarterback in so many other cases. Not saying it's going to make him a pro bowler, but to throw him away or discard him as a bust, to me, is way too impulsive and reactionary. I can't do it. And even look at Baker Mayfield, all right? Comes in, has a solid rookie season, you know, excuse me, comes in and beats the Broncos, in fact, in Denver. And everyone's excited. They're like, all right, he did about what we would expect, you know, a number one overall pick to do. They make a, of course, they had fired the the head coach midseason. And so they ended up hiring someone who was not the interim guy. And it turned out to be Freddie Kitchens. And it wasn't a good decision. And and a lot of Browns fans, and I'm plugged in with, uh, I have many colleagues that are in Cleveland Browns media. Last year, by the, by the end of last season, half, at least half of Browns fans were ready to say, man, another bust, another first-round Browns quarterback bust. And even the, fir- the beginning of this season, it kind of continued because it took a minute for the Browns to kind of, you know, get going and turn it around. But now look, <clears throat> excuse me, at what the right decisions, the tinkering. And if anything, Zach, Baker Mayfield is an example of a quarterback who was able to successfully weather three different systems. Well, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say three because he had Freddie in, as a rookie and then Freddie in year two. But still, I guess more of an example of a quarterback that can 
the success story of a quarterback who weathered a coordinator change, a scheme change between years two and three that it ended up helping launch him into that next level, right? Going to Steven, uh, Kevin Stefanski. So we'll see. It kind of disproved as well Kevin Stefanski's year one success. Oh, well, the offseason ruined reps for Pat Shermer. He didn't have time. He it was a new system for Locke. That didn't impact Baker Mayfield or Kevin Stefanski. That team is nine and four. They're playing right now. They're playing the Giants. I don't know the score, but probably win that game, go to 10 and four. It just shows you once again, once more, what good coaching can do for a quarterback. It really makes all the difference. All right, where are we at? We're at 40 minutes. So we got a little time. Joe Valdez, good to see you, my friend, mm-hmm. becoming a superstar. Good Mm-mm. to see you also uh, on Twitter, my friend. It was great re- uh, connecting with you the last couple of days. He says, would you bring in Sam Darnold for competition? I wouldn't, but and I know you wouldn't, Zach, but explain why. To me, he's damaged goods. Uh, to me, he, he will always see ghosts, and he will always have that reputation. I think the Jets ruined him. They Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, and that's kind of ironic when you consider the quarterback prospects, how they came into the NFL. I, I just don't want him. I, I've never seen anything from Sam Darnold watching the Jets that says, wow, he can be the next great franchise quarterback in the NFL. You don't take USC quarterbacks. It's just it, it's just a rule, and the Jets did, and that's why they're in the Lauren sweep, sweepstakes now. You want a veteran guy who can win some games. Go sign Andy Dalton for a fraction of the cost, no problems, no baggage, no narratives. Get that guy. I don't want Sam Darnold. Or By the way, real quick here, shout out to – Muhammad Badri with the super sticker doesn't come with a message other than Bravo in the, in the uh, GIF there, the emoji, but MHH male model showing out each and every day. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. Thank you. Um, Based Gase jumping in. Appreciate you as well. My friend, the profile pic always gets me with those weird meth eyes that Adam Gase had when he signed uh, (laughs) with the Jets. Anyway, Based Gase says, What's most terrifying about this team is that we have 60-year-old first-time head coach nearing the end of season two with no improvement, game management, isolating from the players, et cetera. Zach, Vic Fangio, it's so hard to get a beat on him to me. And maybe it's orange-colored glasses. This is going to come off to some people perhaps as defending Fangio. But the absolute, again, the three-front war that he's had to fight this year between the virus – uh, the injury bug, and the NFL itself, it's hard to not just say, look, give this cat a mulligan, give him a real offseason and a normal NFL calendar, and then let's make a decision. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm with base case on this in the sense that where is the improvement as Fangio as a head coach, Chad? We all talk about Locke and Shermer and the players, but what about Fangio? And he's saying the same thing I've been saying. There's no improvement. And you saw it yesterday with the spotting of the ball. Why not challenge that? I mean, you saw his other coach, his counterpart, Sean McDermott, do the same exact thing. Why couldn't Vic Fangio? He never gets in his players' faces. He has no emotion, no accountability, no responsibility. He has bland answers to the media. I, I love his defensive prowess. I, I love the culture he's trying to instill. But year one to year two, where is the improvement? It's negligible, if any. Um, real quick, just since we brought it up on the gut reaction and we just brought it up now, did Zach, I want to read to you guys Fangio's response to why he didn't challenge either of those uh, spots for the for the Bills. Quote, excuse me, on whether he thought of challenging any of the Buffalo spots on those close first downs. Quote, yes, I did. Both times, the guys in the box, so the guys that are talking to him in his ear that are seeing the replay, 
said there weren't any views that would overturn it for us. So you got to remember, guys, those of you who have coached or played football, um, or even if you've had kids who played higher level football, high school football, um, when you're on the sideline, you don't get those views. You don't get the perfect bird's eye perspective. And so coaches do have to lean on the guys upstairs to tell them, hey, man, what, how's it look? Doesn't necessarily, you know, absolve Vic Fangio of, of not, you know, at least trying one of those, but it is the explanation. That is why. Well, he needs better guys upstairs then, because obviously the ball was misspotted. He needs better guys in his ear, or this is what I said yesterday. He relies too much on those guys or too much on the analytics and not his gut, not his intuition. And that just comes with being a natural head coach, not a defensive coordinator, a head coach of the entire team. Throw the flag. What do you have to lose? Lose a challenge, lose a timeout. You could gain a new set of downs. You gain the respect and the momentum of your players and your team. There's no downside of trying that, Chad. To not do it twice, though, is a lack of uh, job duty, in my opinion. Let me tell you what bothered me the most about Fangio, because I don't disagree with anything you've said, you know, at bottom in terms of, you know, game management, showing signs that he's, he's, he's imprinted on every phase of the team in terms of, you know, he's not just the head coach of the defense. They call that a defensive coordinator, by the way, being the head coach of the defense. Fangio is the head coach of the Denver Broncos, and there's been no clear, evident, obvious Fangio stamp on, on the offense. And, or special teams. And sometimes you don't really see that from the outside looking in, but it does reveal itself in terms of how guys are held accountable, different players getting benched, different coaches maybe getting fired or different coaches kind of being uh, sent to the cleaners uh, in public, you know, in, in the media. But what alarmed me with Fangio yesterday, Zach, I wrote about this today, is that the team seemed to give up on him. And when a team gives up in a game like that, especially – kind of closing out near the end of a season that's, that's shaping up to be sub 500, it usually is an extremely negative harbinger of that coach's job prospects. That's what yeah. concerns me. Yeah, it's a great point. And you saw on the last touchdown run, I, the game was well in hand. They wanted to get out of there, but that to not give any effort and to throw your hands up is the ultimate insult to your coaches and your fellow players. And it shows the Broncos defense had no respect for Fangio in that moment. They did not want to play for him. His message was lost on them. And it could be a little embodiment of what the locker room feels like right now, Chad. Fangio talks all his bluster about being no death by inches, being old school, but where is he when it's time to nut up? Where is he in crunch time coming up very small? It reminded me almost of that final Aqib Talib performance for the Broncos in uh, week 17 against the Chiefs early on where he's just like letting guys run and, and score and just obviously throwing in the towel. And he was gone after that, right? The Broncos said, catch you on the flip-flop, man. Peace out. And it didn't speak well, obviously, for Vance Joseph's future because Elway was ready to fire him. He wanted to move on, stuck out one more year, but still he ended up being fired. Uh, let's grab Burn the Guitarist. Cool YouTube handle there. On Super Chat. Appreciate you, my friend. Make sure you connect with us on Twitter, and uh, we'll, we'll want to shout you out after this show. He says, hey, guys, I'm anxious of Drew being to us a Bre- as Brett Favre was to the Falcons, a talented second rounder that goes on to have an excellent career elsewhere. Hey, man, that's always a risk that you run if you jump the gun on a young quarterback. But in, in Favre's case, he was traded. The Falcons traded him. Didn't get on well with uh, uh, Jerry Glanville, the, the head coach that drafted him. Ended up going to the perfect place and the team that really wanted him all along as a prospect coming out. And uh, the rest is history. I don't see the Broncos trying to trade Drew Locke. I really don't. 
I don't either. He had, right now he doesn't have any trade value. But if he busts next year and the Broncos cut him, it would not surprise me at all for him to go on and find success with the new team. It, it would not shock me to see Drew Locke become the quarterback he can become with the. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. The right offensive coaching like Josh Allen's getting in Buffalo, not he's not going to be Brett Farr. I mean, that's a once-in-a-generation type scenario, but it would not shock me at all. In fact, I'm expecting that, Chad. Locke's next team, if it comes to that, better coaching, better quarterback. I remember what I was going to say when I lost my train of thought right, uh, right as we took Poppy's super chat. You know, a lot can change between now and the end of the season. I mean, think about this, all right? It's not quite apples to apples because when Locke made his debut last year, there were it was with five games to go. But he comes in, wins a game, hard fought, bitter one down to the end, took, take a, took a nice uh, gutsy call from Fangio, kind of strong-arming the offensive coordinator. That was a rare instance that at least we've been made privy to of Fangio stepping in in an offensive situation and mandating a specific plan of attack. No, we don't want you to kneel on it tied 2020 uh, with, you know, under a minute to go. I want you to take a shot to Cortland and let's just see what happens. They end up getting the PI, kick a field goal, walk off the field. The next week though, Drew Locke is embarrassed in the snow by the Chiefs, right? Like plays utterly horrible. And even though it was only his second start, it still didn't uh, – you didn't see quite the boo birds come out of the woodwork. But still, he ended up closing and finishing that season strong, right? Three uh, right, three straight wins, yeah. Um, Houston, uh, Detroit, and, and the Raiders. So this year, bringing it back to the present, is that was ugly. That was bad as a whole team – it was a team loss, man, in every every sense of the, of the phrase. But if he can finish this season with back-to-back division wins – it can kind of change the complexion and the overall energy and the juice and the way fans look at him, the way the team looks at him uh, coming out of this season. And that's the Chargers and the Raiders. 
it would buy him a lot of rope with the front office and with the fan base if uh, he can go out there and pull off, I guess, two upsets. They'll be, I guess they'll be underdogs, at least in the Raiders game. But he can go out there and be the Carolina Drew Locke or the fourth quarter Chargers Drew Locke. It would buy him a lot of, wouldn't say immunity, but it would buy him a lot of credit to put in the proverbial bank check, take into next season in his account. It's, again, we're not crowning him. We're not saying throw him away either. We don't really know what he can be ultimately overall consistently. We haven't seen it yet. We've seen flashes of really, really good. And then, of course, we've seen flashes of very, very concerning. And one of the worst aspects or most concerning aspects of his 2020 body of work is very little uh, signs consistently of progression. And too often there, especially in the middle of the season, that middle stretch of regression. Let's grab Josh Johnson jumping in on Super Chat. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, (coughs) excuse me, 2020 Broncos lesson. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. I'm sorry, Skink. Yeah, I mean, we're with you on that. I was actually uh, more inclined to embrace the Pat Shermer hire after Skanks was was fired. But you know what? No crystal ball. We didn't know that right. the, the pandemic was going to come in and completely reshape and alter the Broncos' plans in terms of, you know, getting those vital reps to Drew and all those young guys. Yeah, you know, I, I really hated the Scangarello firing. I was really shocked by it because how do you give up on a, a first-time, first-year rookie OC when your young quarterback, who he's mentoring, went 4-1 and one under his tutelage? I, I, I thought it was impulsive, and I thought it was reactionary by Fangio and Elway and the Broncos' uh, front office, but I eventually came around to Pat Shermer because he was the supposed quarterback whisperer and his success in Philadelphia, Minnesota, and even though what happened with the Giants, I I'd still never thought it was the right move and it came out on the wash to quote you Chad that it really wasn't what what Scangarello showed in those five games those those you know four and one with Drew Locke was more creativity than we saw under Pat Shermer the entire season I mean he he wasn't perfect Scangarello he got too cute at times but he really just was way more in tune with Locke's skill set he just there was a natural chemistry they had that Pat Shermer and Locke just don't um by the way the whole Ojemudia ejection it was quintessential it was the reaction that caught the attention of the officials. Uh, he was popped in the in the face first, but his retaliation is what the refs saw, and so he got bounced. It was BS, but he was guilty. If it was fair, both would have been bounced. But, of course, that's rarely the way it works in the league. Mark Langley jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank Good you, to Mark. see you. Talk about a superstar and an MHH Mount Rushmore guy. You know, one of these days we're going to have to put up an actual, you know, masthead somewhere with the, with the MHH Mount Rushmore names up there. I don't know. Maybe we can find a way to do that on YouTube. That's I'm, I'm going to write that down when we get off this stream and see see about doing something like that. I think it would be rad. Uh, Mark says, what's up, my guys? It's all about coaching. Drew Locke needs a full offseason and reps to get the timing down with the offense. Hashtag Locke. Hashtag Huddle Up Pod. Your thoughts, Zach? He needs a offseason with a better coach. If it's all about coaching, he needs a better coach because Pat Shermer, at least in my opinion, is just not it. You can talk about the reps and the pandemic, but I think we've seen the die has been cast, Chad, on Pat Shermer. We know what the guy is like. I don't think he's going to suddenly turn around next year and be the second coming of Matt LaFleur. So that's what I think. David Kilgore, longtime listener, one of our favorite YouTube profile picks. The hat, the face mask, we love it, David. It's good to see you, my friend, and we really appreciate your support. And it's been for a long time. You know, We're going on two football seasons of support from this fella. So love you, buddy. Good to see you. He says, where do you guys realistically see Denver? Uh, where do you guys realistically see Denver doing in the offseason with coaching, free agency, and the draft? Well, talk about a macro question. Um, 
I'll tell you what. I'll tell you, coaching, I'll, I'll answer this rapid fire because we're running out of time, Zach, and then I'll serve this over because I still want to grab that Brandon McManus thing. But coaching, I expect Vic to stay. Free agency, um, I think you're going to see a, a lot of investment on the defensive side, and the same goes for the draft. Cornerback, linebacker, probably a couple of corners in, in between free agency and the draft. I'm right there with you. I, I, the only thing I want to add is in free agency, don't be surprised if the Broncos prioritize their own in-house guys. You know, Justin Simmons and uh, Shelby Harris, Phillip Lindsay, they can they can give new contracts if they wanted to to Tim Patrick or Malik Reed. They're going to take care of hopefully a lot of their own where, like Chad said before the draft, they'll go cornerback in round one, it has to be, or offensive line, maybe inside linebacker. But I'm with you, Fangio stays for 21. All right, real quick. Brandon McManus rips the NFL after, quote, improper timeline forced him to miss week 15. So here's what McManus said on Twitter. And this was actually Friday night. So by this point, he knew that he wasn't going to be available to play. But here's what he said on Twitter that night. 143 days of testing since July 26th, negative. Five-day NFL and NFLPA quarantine PCR testing. Monday, negative. Tuesday, negative. Wednesday, negative. Thursday, negative. Friday, negative. Friday, Mesa, uh, POC, point of contact, which most likely is my result for Saturday game day PCR, negative. Why am I not playing? And then he goes on here, Zach, to uh, say later on, I think he was replying to something Mike Kliss of Nine News had said on Twitter to say, quote, an improper timeline was used in my case. So his point, as you can see there, was the counting should have started Monday. And if the counting did start Monday, he would have been negative five days and could have played on Saturday. But the NFL ended up starting the count on Tuesday, which meant that if he would have played, the game was on Sunday, he would have been able to play. But ultimately, it cost him the game, and it cost the Broncos at least five points uh, on the table. It cost him more than that, really, when you also consider that a short kick on to open up the third quarter in which Taylor Russolino uh, kicked it short and allowed Andre Roberts to return it, which ended up going 53 yards gave the Bills a short fill to open up the second half. And then you even go beyond that, and this is where I was talking about the idea of the Broncos fighting the three-front war. It's hard to say – it's hard to rebut the notion, Zach, that the Broncos on top of the virus and on top of injuries have also had to battle the very league in which they are a member. Yeah, it seems like the, uh, the NFL has been very – I wouldn't say inconsistent with their CV handling, but it seems like the Broncos, where applicable, they got in the short end of the stick. The quarterbacking and kicking would have made a difference yesterday. McManus's, you know, field goal proficiency or his extra points. It, it did make us miss him, though, because we saw what it could be in a post-McManus world. And Russellino, man, looked like he never kicked a football in his life before. Yeah, I like, too, that Fangio, they're like, hey, you know, what did you think about Russellino and the wind and like, all that? I, I thought like, he kicked better. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought he was going to kick better, and the wind didn't seem to bother the Bills kicker, was what Fangio said. Okay, uh, so long. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah, hit the bricks, Taylor. Uh, you had your chance, and that's true. That's one of the bummers, man. He really did have a, ch- a shot to kind of uh, audition for all the teams, and he did audition, but it didn't go well. Uh, the Queen, Christy jumping in with the Super. Love you. Good to see you. She says, have a good night, guys. And keep up the great work. We will do our best. We'll be here every single day. Thank you, Christy. Love you, Christy. Um, Thank you. Based case again, I think the reason everyone is willing to move on from Locke is because he wasn't a first rounder. If we take Locke at number 10, the fan base is more patient. You know, there's probably some truth to that, Zach. If the, if Drew Locke ends up being the pick at 10, the Broncos don't trade back and then take Noah Fant, do you think the overall outlook on Drew sitting here in week 15, the temperature of the fan base is any different? 
I don't know because those trades net them Noah Fant, Locke, and Reisner versus maybe, you know, Devin Bush. So I'm not killing them for the trade. I can't do hindsight, Chad. We've been doing that every year going back and what if, what could have, what could have, should have, you know, with Bradley Chubb now and Josh Allen, Drew Locke and him being a second round quarterback. Things happen the way things happen. I'm focused on the future, not the past. Uh, John, I don't have them, but we've got Mark, one more from Mark, Stu Meat, and Alex, and then we're out of here for tonight. There he is. Mark Langley jumping in. <laughs> Again, thank you. He goes, hashtag used toilet bowls went to pro toilet bowls. Good job, big guy. Hashtag huddle up. Hashtag football priest. I would say hashtag pro bowls, right? Play on words right. there. One of the great stories of the NFL, a true redemption story. And, you know, I shouldn't take it too far. He was a first-round pick, but really tickled to see uh, Garrett Bowles turn it around. And thank you for the super sticker, Stu Meat. We love you, buddy. Yeah, and the Broncos are – you're welcome for taking that from us. Hashtag Pro Bowls. I thought that was pretty creative. So we'll have to copyright that next time, Chad. Trademark. Alex, Alex uh, yes, indeed. Alex Salazar, appreciate you, Alex. Reach out on Twitter, connect with us. He says, what's up, guys? Fangio isn't head coaching material. He just has to go. Does Vic Fangio have to go? Zach, is he beyond redemption? Has he proven to be beyond redemption in your mind? Even if you think he is, the fact is he got robbed of a fair season with the pandemic and with especially the injuries. I mean, that it was his alibi. I said it before, I'll say it again. When Vaughn and Sutton went down, that was his built-in alibi for the season. He was always granted a mulligan. I wouldn't say he has to go because he showed that he can really outcoach some coaches when his game is on. And if the offense is on and defense is on, they can be a winning team. You can make the case for his firing, but the simple truth is Elway will not fire him this offseason. All right, guys, you got to remember, if Elway sticks, and again, there's no reason to think he won't because people don't fire themselves, the one thing he can't do, the one thing he couldn't survive in terms of PR is standing up there one more time by himself at season's end because that morning he had fired another head coach, which he handpicked, he can't do that. He can. He literally could not survive the media firestorm this time if he did that. So if Elway sticks, Fangio is going to stick and get that one last hurrah in what is Elway's contract year. But, guys, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. As always, we are so grateful for each and every one of you being with us. Make sure you follow the pod on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod, the main account, at Mile High Huddle. And then also, guys, my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. And then our producer, John K, at John K, MHH, a mile high salute to all of our Super Chat superstars and our Facebook supporters and those of you who give stars on Facebook. It all adds up. It all means a lot to us and, and allows us to do this content daily, put in the time, invest the energy and the focus creative, uh, creatively. So thank you. Thank Zach, you, sign us off here. And I just want to remind everyone, we'll be back tomorrow night, the huddle up, uh, Zach and I, 6 p.m. out and 8 p.m. Eastern. But hey, man. Crappy, crappy weekend by way of the Broncos, but let's all try to have a great start to, to our Christmas week. Right. Let's end the year on a good note. It's still just a game. Uh, tomorrow, Chad, we'll be getting some Fangio quotes so we can dissect those going for, going forward to the next, last two games. But uh, looking forward to talking with you, seeing you tomorrow night. And as always, guys, until then, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. 
The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 